Warning! The following podcast contains strong language, which some listeners may find offensive. If you do... Up yours! That's only if you don't listen to the podcast. Otherwise, not up yours. Did you know the Untitled Wrestling Podcast is on all of the social media outlets? Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, or even a review if you're feeling generous. Facebook and YouTube at Untitled Wrestling Podcast. Twitter, Twitch, and Discord at Untitled Rest Pod. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Untitled Wrestling Podcast. It is Tuesday. You know what that means. It's me, your boy, Big Tasty, joined, as always, by Jay. How's it going, Jay? I'm all good. Excellent. All good. Um, just some exciting news. We've got a, a slightly tweaked format this week. We're um, we're trying to sort of mix it up a bit so that we can talk about more of the stuff that we found really enjoyable over the week. We're trying to be more positive uh, in this era of incessant negativity. Yes. Um, so we thought that by focusing on the wrestling that we really enjoyed, we can bring you a little slice of happiness in your otherwise miserable lives. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, hopefully you like it. If you don't, let us know and we'll probably ignore you um, because it's our podcast um, yeah, <laughs> yeah basically I'm not going to promise but I can't deliver um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, so for our first, we're going to sort of break the podcast down to like three sort of sections the first section is basically just our week in wrestling so it's what we personally myself and Jay what we've enjoyed what we've seen what we've sort of taken in this week in wrestling um, yeah and there's a big it's a big mix, like a, a big combined one for the both of us, Jay, because earlier this week we had the surreal pleasure of interviewing Effie live on stage at Creative Ugly in Liverpool. And to say that it was an eye-opener of an interview would be something good on the statement, wouldn't it? Yeah, it was very, very surreal. We were sat on the bar in Coyote Ugly with a big coyote ugly sign behind us. With I mean, I, I was literally sat cool. under the word ugly, which I felt like personal. it was a personal attack. I was sat under the word coy, which was quite fitting because I got very nervous going on stage in front of people to actually do an interview. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was it was very fun. Um, I mean, it, it was this was all sort of trivialised by the fact that Effie was possibly the easiest person to interview that I've ever spoken to. Yeah. He really was. You could literally ask him like a two-word question and just go off for like fifteen minutes. I remember like at one point I like I looked at my I pulled my phone out, looked at my um looked at the clock on my phone to see how we were getting up the time. And it was like we started at half eight and we were meant to be on to ten. And um, it was like my... it was like, it was like five to nine and we'd gone through like half of our material already and I was like, Oh fuck, we're in trouble here. Like we're gonna run out of stuff to talk about. And then I remember looking like doing a few more questions, looking again, and it was like five to ten. And I was like, oh shit, okay, no, we're gonna be fine. We we ran half an hour over. It was absolutely fine. Yeah. Um yeah, it sh- we should be releasing the video of that soon. Um, yeah, we're just waiting to get hold of it and get it edited because um, it was recorded right. through yeah through TNT. So we so they get it over to us. Uh, we're going to just throw it at Troy and be like, "Yo, mate, fix this. It's probably terrible." And then he's going to do something, and then we'll get it up on on. That's like a special release, maybe a, a little early Christmas present. You can you can all have from us to you. You know. Yeah, hope hopefully it will end up on our YouTube at some point. Um, yeah. Because yeah, the, the Effie was very, that's um, the one. Uh, you know, when like when he turns to look at you, he's got very, uh, very piercing eyes. Yeah, but he's 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 a he's a lovely fellow. We, we chatted to him uh, before the interview as well to sort of like 
run over the format of the show with him. And he basically told us some stories that he wasn't allowed to tell on stage. So again, if you ever see me or Jay at a live show, come up and ask us about the effie stories were not allowed. To, he wasn't allowed to talk about on stage. There, there was some, uh, so, and he, he, he did, did. And, he, and, and he did his moxie, like you said, just for us. He, he did, did a his, very good job. Moxley he did a impression. very good job moxie impression. Yeah, he's he was a treat. Like can't, he was in the room. <laughs> can't wait for him to come back for Big Game Ranch uh, next year. That'll be hilarious. So I, I was looking. So obviously he wrestled the show that I went to. Um, I'll talk about that in a, in a minute. Then he wrestled in Newcastle the day after. Then London the day after. And then he was back in the US the day after that wrestling at GCW. Yeah, he had two bangers. I watched both of them. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a sec as well. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so thank you very much to Effie for for agreeing to to sort of sit up on stage with you know two straight white guys and talk wrestling for two hours. <laughs> that was yeah. that was really really good fun. And yeah, I can't wait to chat to him again. Basically, and I'm I'm bringing I've decided that I'm bringing my mum to Effie's big gay brunch because she needs to see it. Yeah, he, he um me, me and him were chatting about it. Uh, he said he'd like to do he'd like to sit down with us again. So hopefully we'll get to do round two. Yeah, I mean, as much as I love doing the the sort of the live one, I'd love to just do like an actual podcast interview with him, where we can have a bit more of a sort of contained environment to ask a few more to dig a bit deeper into because he he had some amazing stories. He made some really good points about like the LGBT community in wrestling and sort of like his sort of journey through wrestling. And there's some stuff I'd really have liked to have dug a bit deeper into, but I didn't want to like sort of derail him when he was in the middle of these like really cool stories. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, right, we'll move on then to other things we watched. Jay, did you watch any WWE? I mean, it's all on you now for WWE. Did you watch any WWE? What did you like? Anything stood out to you this week? I didn't watch any this week, no. No, 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 <laughs> um, no, no. I, I, mean, I, I don't even think Sarah's. I, little, I don't even think Sarah's had on the house. So I couldn't even tell you what's been going on. Yeah, I had a little, I had a little nose at um, like Bray's stuff just because Bray and the. Bray and the Bloodline are the two kind of things. Um, that there was, there was a cool little like, uh, obviously Sammy and Usos with the Bloodline stuff, where Solo was like kind of. So the, 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 there's this like crescendoing theory online now that Solo is going to be the one that gets kicked out. Well, I I think it's more that Solo Solo was hesitating to kind of like hug the guys, which makes me think of obviously Roman's kind of like made him privy to knowledge about Sammy and he's a bit reluctant to kind of get too close to Sammy when he's going so, to eventually one thing I did me. see they seem to be really now ramping up the, the brawling brutes versus bloodline is like the sort of next big feud yeah they had Seamus just murder the Usos on Smackdown An actual shillelagh murder I, I don't know I think I thought he just kicked the shit out of him <laughs> no, I think Seamus is the shillelagh in, in these yeah. situations <laughs> um, yeah the, the Bray stuff was intriguing uh, basically he kind of implied that Uncle Howdy isn't Bray, it's someone watching Bray. Right. As opposed to it being a, pe- a persona of Bray's. It's a physical uh, person. It's a physical person. Obviously, they did like LA Knight getting murdered when you saw the mask kind of like showing up in the shadows in the doorway as he opened it. Yeah. What if it's uh, LA Knight like being a. What if he's beating himself up like in Fight Club? That'd be quite cool. It, it's interesting though, because obviously, like the, the promo. Of Uncle Howdy very much sounds like Wyndham Rotunda doing the voice. Yeah, because well, that's probably because it is because I mean, they haven't got anyone else. At this oh point. yeah, <laughs> there's I, I know. Like remember when they theory. made him be Sister Abigail? It's it's kind of that thing. Yeah, I know the preva- prevailing theory is very much that it's like it, it's it's going to be Bo Dallas, mm-hmm. or at yeah. least that's that's what it's kind of been alluded as. Little question: 
is is the fact that Bray hasn't wrestled yet a bit of a red flag here? I mean, yes and no. Um, I think it is a bit because obviously it's like there was the stuff where there was concerned about him being injured and stuff like that. I mean, more a case of is it just a danger that this whole thing just sort of collapses in under its own weight? Well, for me, I mean, I, I don't think Bray's a bad wrestler. I think he's, I think he's one of those wrestlers, like as far as the WWE style goes, that he's a much better storyteller than he is a wrestler. He's one of those um, guys who gets over in the ring based on his character work, like the Undertaker did. Which is, absolutely. which is why it's like we were saying on Tom Clark's main event. Why the fuck can't they book Bray properly when they booked the Undertaker properly for twenty years? Yeah, and he booked Kane properly for a couple of years. You need Teddy Long to come back and because people to go one on one with the Bray Wyatt. Yeah, I, th- I think with Bray having this kind of creative control over his character, they're probably they're probably going to pull it off there. Um, it, it's one thing where I actually think Bruce Pritchard could probably thrive in that role where obviously he had the understanding of the Undertaker and Kane. What you're saying is Bray Wyatt needs brother love. Not necessarily needs them, but <laughs> definitely, have, definitely Bruce Pritchard being there is like a good kind of guiding hand to guide him into the. Mm-hmm. And also, they've they've hired that uh, Rob uh, Rob Fee guy, haven't they? Like a few months back, yeah, who's like got like a background and working as like a writer for Marvel comics, and his role is like the kind of I think it's like the director of long term storytelling or something like that. Yeah, head of long term storytelling. Um, so when he gets into his office, is there just like blood, like coating all the walls, like people have been shot in there or something? Like what's what's all this? And I don't worry about that. It's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> the last guy. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's it's one of those things where a lot of people who are kind of less less familiar with what Bray's done prior to the like the fiend and the Wyatt family, and it kind of just just like this is the first kind of exposure to. Mm. I feel like they do need to ramp it up a little bit. But at the same time, I think for, like, lest we forget, the first time we saw The Fiend was, like, six weeks after, maybe two months after Bray's, like, return. Yeah. And then he didn't wrestle after that until SummerSlam. Did he so, ever right in that persona? Did he ever wrestle as just Bray, or was he always the Fiend? He wrestled a few matches as just Bray, yeah. So I know the um, Firefly Funhouse as well. He did that as Bray, didn't he? That was still like yeah. for, for me his his career highlight. Yeah, he, he wrestled as he wrestled like the Funhouse match as a mixture, didn't he? He wrestled the. I mean, wrestles and like you know inverted yeah. commas there. Yeah, he wrestled the Swamp Fight, which again we don't talk about as Bray. That never happened with that's, that's fake news. And then he, he wrestled the match as, fu- as Funhouse Bray. Well, he wrestled two, one against Braun and then one against The Miz. Right. Um. And yeah, then I think he had one with Randy as well. I'm pretty sure. Do you, want a, do, do you want a mad fact for this week? Go on. So this week was the five-year anniversary of Bray and Matt Hardy's tag team. Really fucking but I thought that debut that um that debut the mania. Well, it was it was something to do with brain math. It was like their five year anniversary of something. It was either the Matt. Well, they did a feud first, didn't 
Yeah, so it might have been it's that, but I don't know. But still, it was five years ago, and it's like, fuck me, where's time gone? Uh, that's terrifying. Yeah. Wasn't it the 10-year anniversary of... Um, oh, sorry, no, 12-year anniversary as well of The Miz cashing in as uh, the money in the back the first time and winning the WWE title? Oh, right. Leading to once in a lifetime. Leading to once in a lifetime. Thank you. Uh, right, anything else you want to talk about WWE before we, we shift it on? Um, no, because I'm really keen to talk about another wrestler. Um, who who had, well, he's he's appeared for AW, but he, he wrestles for GCW. I'm I'm very very keen to talk about this man. Do you, do you want to talk about a GCW? We'll talk about a GCW. Let's let's, let's talk GCW because I know this is a guy that you love as well. So you're going to be happy to talk about actual brewing goblin. Tony Devon. Oh, I love a bit of Tony Devon. He is. Um, yeah, right, so, so just again, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but like, I've, and I said this to Effie as well, and he and he agreed to me. I, I've yeah. never met a person who is so detached from their like. A lot of people say like, your wrestling, your wrestling persona is just like you, but like with the volume turned up. Tony Devon is a different person completely. Like we spoke to him at, at GCW, and he's so nice. We had a l- lovely conversation about brewing <laughs> beer. He's very like stoic and quiet, isn't he? Yeah, and he's so soft spoken, and he's so polite, and he was yeah. like, he was. Gen- Genuinely upset that he'd lost a sticker he was going to give to me because he couldn't find it in his bag. Yeah, uh, and then he comes out for his match and he's just like fucking blowing snot rockets on people and like spitting at people's faces and like trying to give Troy. trying to give he Troy diphtheria. Hated Troy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so and so Effie was like, oh yeah, he said he thinks that's because oh, he's got like two young kids. So he's like all of like his dad rage just sort of comes out in his rest of the matches basically. And you could definitely see that he had two absolutely fantastic matches for different reasons this weekend. Um, at GCW, wasted time. He had a thirty-minute match with Jordan Oliver, which was tremendous. A, work, a proper work rate match. Absolute technical masterclass. Apparently, so I've, I've not seen this match. I'm going to hunt it down. The only other match they've had was a two-hour Ironman match. Jesus Christ! Which was two two years ago. Um, but yeah, they had an absolute clinic, uh, really good back and forth. Tony Deppen's kind of facial expressions of like deranged, desperate lunatic. Um, Because the whole story at the moment is that he's going after Nick Gage's, like Nick Gage's championship. Yeah. With wrestling for in two weeks. And he's like, it's the one thing that he's been overlooked for is the GCW title. And he's like, "I'm, I'm the best wrestler in the company. Why haven't I had my opportunity to win this belt yet. Like, or my opportunity with this belt yet, I should say, because he's had matches before for the title. And then he's like, and Nick Gage is the guy you're hanging your hat and sort of thing. It's very sort of like a meta, but like, essentially, Tony's just being a piece of shit. Mm. Um, he, he, he does so well. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the match with Jordan Oliver, he was working over Oliver's arm to the point where Jordan Oliver was like struggling. He won by he got he got Oliver in like a um an Uma Plata. Um and Oliver wasn't tapping. And in the end, he just started like hammer fisting um Jesus. Jordan Oliver's face to the point where the referee stopped the match. Wow. Um and in the match with Billy Starks, it was a similar thing where she was kicking out of everything. So he he essentially like got her in a sim- similar holds um and started like Oh no! He got her in the he got her in a cross face and was like hammer fisting her at the same time, and then she passed out. The ref like that was in Billy, where Billy Starks essentially trained as well. So um, wasn't that like Billy Starks' last match before she turned eighteen? 
Yes. Yeah, which is pretty cool because Tony Depp was being a, a, a predictable prick about it on social media to, to hype the matchup. Yeah, and then uh, MLJ said happy birthday. It was like in front of, as I say, like a adopted hometown crowd because like it was also MLJ's birthday the weekend as well. Yeah, it was. Um, and then yeah, after the match, Tony just started like legitimately beating the shit out there <laughs> till Nick Gage came and made the save, and Tony just like piled it out and ran away. Yeah. Um, top top bastard, Tony Devin. Well, yeah, for me, I think the him, Tony Deppin, Effie, and Cole Radrick were like the three MVPs for a GCW this weekend. Um I would have I would have probably put Jordan Oliver in that as well, but I think they they were kind of like the three standouts. Like um Cole Radrick had a banger with Nick Gage as well. Yeah. Um probably the probably the best Nick Gage match I've seen, if I'm being honest. Oh fair. Um, and then Cole Radrick and Effie had like a really good match with it ended in a no a no contest because Charles Mason got involved but like the whole story was Effie was like call me and your friends you should have won this match because then it would have been a title match for me and it, Effie was kind of like I'm not doing any of the gay shit you dropped the ball Cole and Cole just <laughs> what Cole was essentially wrestling as Effie against Effie and then Halfway through the match, like Cole nearly won it, and Effie just kind of was like, "Wait there, if I do the gay shit, I can get back in Cole's head because Cole wants it." So, <laughs> and then like uh, Effie was about to pull Cole away after doing it um, over the rainbow through a door. I saw that. Uh, that looked upsetting. Yeah, and then uh, Charles Mason basically attacked Effie and choked him out, and with the steel chair, um, and the referee just called the match. Oh fair. Uh, yeah, uh, and then the other match Effie had was a surprise victory over John Wayne Murdoch. Oh, nice! Uh, obviously, John Wayne Murdoch's on like an absolute hot streak after winning the NG NG Seven. Um, and yeah, uh, John John Wayne Murdoch basically hit like a top rope destroyer on Effie, which Effie kicked out of one. Was that a uh, death match or was that just a regular match? Uh, it was a death match. Fair. Well. No, it wasn't. It wasn't quite. A it was like match. a like an extreme rules match. It, it, yeah, it was. A, it was a. It was a standard GCW match where like he did. He did the. Uh, he did the destroyer through like a door. Yeah. So if you want to just like get a door or a chair, that's fine. You can just, you can just bring yeah. that in. Yeah. Um. Pretty much. The, if, the, you want, if you want, if you want to go full Joey Janela and get a fucking uh, scissor lift and just dive off that. Yeah. There's there's no count outs. They 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 kind of explained it for like new people because obviously like with Fight Plus there's a lot of like. New eyes on the product. Uh, yeah, that's no, a really good point. That's a really good point. I should probably mention that if if you if you are listening to this and you're thinking, how can I watch this crazy American wrestling? If you go onto the Fight Apple website, you can subscribe to something called Fight Plus. It's a five a month, I believe. Yeah, uh, and you it, get you get Wrestling Revolver, which is Sammy Callahan's promotion, which I'm going to be probably watching their show later tonight because there was a match on there. I'm desperate to see. Do you get Warrior as well? You can get Warrior on. I don't know if you get it on that, but you can get it on um, Pro Wrestling TV, which is free anyway, which is also right. here. Um, Defy's on there, which they've had some absolutely banging shows, but I think theirs goes up a little bit later. It's not live. Right. Um, obviously, GCW's like shows are live on there. And oh, what was the other one? There's another one I saw recently. And I was like, oh, shit, I need to check that out. Um. It'll come to me. Yeah, uh, while you do that, we'll move on then. Uh, I'm going to talk about, uh, speaking of John Wayne Murdoch, I'm going to talk about a show that he should have been on. 
but couldn't because of travel okay. problems. Or, or so I show I would have been at, but I was a little bit. <laughs> also, the show that Jay could, should have been at, but he wasn't because of baby Guinness well, problems. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was sensible after the, after the interview. I went home and went to bed because I was up early the next day. And subsequently, I was able to go to Cold Day and TNT Cold Day in Hell, which took place in Liverpool this uh, this Thursday. Um, yeah. A couple of really cool matches on this I want to talk about um, very quickly. Um, Visage was the special guest referee for Effie versus Shane Uh That was an awesome match. It felt really cool just watching like three LGBT wrestlers all in the ring together getting huge pops, huge durations. It was a really fun match. Uh, Shane was all up in Visage's face. Visage was like slow counting, refusing to count, sort of working in Effie's favour. Effie ends up getting the win. And then afterwards, Visage super kicks Effie and turns heel. Oh damn! Yeah, um, are we getting are we getting so, visage versus well? Then? I'll tell you what we're getting. So first of all, Effie afterwards, Effie's talking about like how he's bringing Big Gay Brunch to the UK, and then Visage super kicks him. Like while Effie's like dead on the floor, he starts screaming at him. What the hell have you ever done for the UK scene? You've not done anything for us. Uh, inter- joins forces with Shaman A. Like they they do the little Ooh. pinky um, shake, and then they challenge Bussy at Big Gay Brunch. Oh, that's going to absolutely fuck. <laughs> okay, I'm here for that. Uh, that was cool. We had the um, the tag team gauntlet, which was um, Sunshine Machine featuring Smooth Mambo, which is know. unsettling. Um, they were they came out first against Greedy Souls. Uh, Greedy Souls pinned Sunshine Machine. Did Sunshine Machine have the beach balls, at least? No, there were no beach balls. That's why they didn't have the full power. So, uh, Temple of Malum came out next. Um Isaac North was being like sort of ordered around like a sort of beast of war, uh, just doing war crimes. Uh, but then um, Bronco and Brett, Bronco and White snuck a, a roll up, and they managed to pick up a win. Uh, Isaac North's new um, new nicknames absolutely badass. Yes, the, the weight, the wraith of Wargrave. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> so, Sunshine, so Greedy Soul progressed to the last match, which happened to be Kings of the North. Oh God, Kings oh, God. of the North came out and did fucking murder on them. Um, but, but, Greedy Souls didn't break the held in there, and they won. I'm okay with this because we've already had Greedy Souls. Uh, sorry, Kings of the North versus La Rebellion. Uh, La Rebellion. Greedy Souls are like a completely similar but different team. It was so funny as well because, like, start of the match, Sunshine Machine were out. Greedy Souls were getting booed because Sunshine Machine were fighting them. But then, like as the match progressed, and like they became like more sympathetic as they took more punishment, like the crowd got really behind Greedy Souls. Well, last last time, um, it, it's interesting, isn't it? So last time Greedy Souls were wrestling in TNT, they were heels, weren't they? Yeah. Um, when they were wrestling as a team, they were heels because they wrestled against them babyface King of the Kings of the North, and then obviously the Kings turned heel. Greedy Souls have been away. Bronco came and had that like a couple of like bangers for yeah he had, that, he had that absolute slapper at Extreme Fields which was phenomenal yeah he also had a um at Reign of Fire which I don't know if is on pro um pro wrestling TV uh, he had a apparently a banger with a driller oh nice yeah and he, um yeah and Bronco someone as well who's really impressed me like I, I wasn't overly familiar with him. Yeah, well, since Extreme Fields, I've, I've started paying real special attention to his career, and fuck mm. me, he's having a good year. Because I've seen, I've seen like 
I'd seen one Greedy Souls match before the start of the year, and then I saw Bronco have like a match against them, um, Gene Money, which was it was fun. It wasn't very long. Um, but other than that, I hadn't really seen much of him. And then obviously we saw that match of his uh, at Extreme Fields, and I think you saw him against you saw Greedy Souls against uh, Sunshine Machine as well, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, they had a great match of their progress, um, and yeah, and now and now this, uh, yeah, they they really have impressed me. Uh, that was really mm-hmm. fun. Um, what else? We had oh, Lizzie Ever got jumped by. It's like a three on one now. Lizzie Ever versus Angel Hayes and uh, the She Wolves. So, so they're, they're gonna have to do something there, bring someone else in to sort of even the odds. I imagine that'll probably be Harley and someone else, right? Possibly Lucy Sky, maybe. Well. Lucy Sky is the number one contender to Alexis Fall. She is. Uh, that was really cool. It was a really good fun. It was only a six match card as well, which felt like the match had a lot of time to breathe, which I thought was really good. Mm. Um, Clint Margera for uh, Tomby. And he got announced mm. as an entry for DOA, which is pretty cool. Um, that was a fun match as well. Um, then after yeah. the break, we had. Um... Was that still a dry ice death match? No, no, it was just normal. Just an old death. Just, just, just a regular death match. It was, it was good though. It was fun. Uh, then we had the main. I'll, I'll talk about the main event first, very quickly. Driller versus Rampage. I, we, everyone thought that it was they were giving it to Rampage. I think Driller's into a long run. And if you if you're a fan of Driller getting thrown really hard to the floor a lot, then it's a really fun match to watch because Rampage just beat the piss out of him. But Driller again, Driller hung in and he he, he pulled it back. He actually hit uh, the Driller killer on Rampage. Which Damn. was fucking impressive, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, picked up the win, which was which was awesome. But the ma- the match I want the, the match I want to talk a little bit about because I know we're, we've got to be careful of time here. But the match I really want to talk about a lot more than the others is uh, Charles Crowley versus Alexis Falcon. Oh, how was that? Oh, that yeah, was. Well, it's, it's going on my match of the year. Put it that way. Yeah, it was, it, it's a. Ma- I'm looking forward to seeing the replay of it. It was phenomenal. So. Charles Crowley's had this like sort of psychological war with Alexis Falcon over the past sort of several months, and the whole sort yeah, of it's like, cru- it's like February, right? Yeah, right. it's been like the best part of this year. It, the whole crux of it's been like he wants to he wants to sort of bring the best version of her out of herself that, that she can be, and the only way to do that is to basically beat the shit out of her in, in his mind. And so they they eventually this feud sort of rumble down to a dog collar match, and this it, it felt like it had like a massive big feel. Alexis came out and there were no smiles, there were no Disney, you know. Disney entrances, it was all fucking business. Um Crowley was look Crowley was just he started out as like quite sort of preening, quite sort of um quite quite affable, quite sort of like, you know, very jokey. And then as the match went on and like the it got really quite physical on both sides, you could see like Alexis like toughening up and you could see Crowley's like mask slip a bit and he got a bit more psychotic and a bit more sort of, you know, a bit more unhinged. And then Early on, Alexis punched Crowley with a chain, cut him open. That's what set Crowley off to go and psycho, basically. Then Crowley did the same to Alexis. The finish of the match was amazing. So Alexis had she had, she had the chain wrapped around something, and she was going to hit, I think when she was trying to fist, she was going to hit Crowley with it again. And he was like on his knees, like fucked. Um, she, she, was, she couldn't do it. Um, so Crowley just spat in her face. So she sort of like turned around, like wiped like the spit off her face, but as she did, like she got some of her own blood in her hand and she like looked at it, like stuck her hand in her mouth, like tasted her own blood, and then just turned around, wrapped the chain around Crowley, hit her like, you know, sort of like Sister Abigail style finisher yeah. with the chain wrapped around him and pinned him. Oh, it was shit. it was so good. Like psychology, storytelling, pacing. It was I, I tweeted about it the other week, like last week. It was a masterclass in how to tell a story in the ring using yeah. like psychology. 
they, they, those, they, those two have insane chemistry. As yeah. Well. Oh, yeah. And it was for me, well, it was the first dog collar match I've seen since the well, since the, the last two I've seen with the CM Punk MGF one, and yeah. the Cody Rhodes Brody Lee one, which uh, you know high bars. Mm-hmm. And this was this was I'm not saying it was better than them, but it was definitely up there. You know, it was, it was in that same like echelon. You're not saying ballpark. It was yeah. well, utterly utterly fantastic match of the night. Easy one of the match of the year. Yeah, phenomenal. They absolutely knocked it out the park. Alexis is like low key had like a career year, hasn't she? Oh, she's been fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, don't forget. Like she's she's one of those people that it's. I think she's that good that you kind of like overlook her. You take it for granted a bit now. It's like, oh, Alexis is yeah, going to have a really good match. Because I like, see it all, yeah, like, because I see her, like, almost on, like, a monthly basis wrestling. <laughs> well, like, I, we, I, saw, we I, saw her wrestle yeah, Millie McKenzie, is, and it was like, oh, she's just wrestling Millie McKenzie, and it's great, yeah, and it's, but it's just a I mean, it's just another Alexis Falcon match, and it's like, oh, shit, but it's really good. Yeah, like, at, at Comic-Con, she had a really, really good match with Lucy Sky. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I, I want to say it was one of Lucy's first matches back. Oh, nice. Well, she can have another uh, great match with Lucy Sky and Lucy takes the title off her next year, isn't she? I, I think that could be when Alexis loses a belt. Because <laughs> to be fair as well, like Lizzie, Alexis and Harley against the She-Wolves is a money match right there. Yeah. Um, I was quite surprised Lana Austin didn't take the belt off Alexis earlier in the year. I thought they had like kind of grounds to do it then. Yeah, you think like a match with Lana, her match with Millie McKenzie. She's had like, I mean, don't forget her feud with Lizzie Evo last year was phenomenal. That was like one of the one of the feuds of the year on the on the independent scene. Um, yeah, she, she's wrestled. She's oh, wrestled yeah. everyone. She, like she had that really fun match with Harley Hudson that I watched at Wrestle Island earlier this year, which was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Uh, right, we'll move it on. Um, and we want to look at, talk about a little AW before we wrap it up on the first section. Let's because we got well, we got we got a match that I didn't know was a, a little dream match of mine until we got it. It's that Which... Brian Dennison versus Dax Howard. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, that yeah. was re- that was really really fun. Um, I I don't want to go into that too much because something cool happened uh, on Rampage for me. Um, yeah, I mean it was a really both... good match and it was it was well worth watching. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, also on Dynamite, we got Samoa Joe via AR Fox, which was fun. AR Fox signed; he's all elite, which is nice to see. Uh, Samoa, I mean mm-hmm. Samoa Joe kind of dominated him, but AR Fox had a little bit of offense in there as well, which was nice. Yeah. Uh, it, was also a, had... it was kind of like early showing for AR Fox, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Like, it, 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 sort of lets the, it, it sort of lets the fans know what he's all about. And then obviously we're just building up to AR Fox versus... Because if WWE can do Lucha Underground matches, then so can uh, so, so can AW. So you should mention on, on WWE, we had um, Ricochet beat Santos Escobar to win the World Cup as well. Also, um, again, on that Wrestle Revolver show that I'm going to be watching after this, um, Swerve wrestled in a hell of war match. Oh, nice! Yeah, just give us Swerve, yeah, Fox, give me, please, Tony. I beg yeah. you. Yeah, um, Swerve's teasing it, isn't he? Yeah, well, we will not talk about this too much. It's going to it's coming into the other two sections. But MJF uh, unveiled his custom belt, which was really cool, a Burberry belt, and lamped Daddy Regal. Yeah, he beat he hit William Regal with the back of the head with the brass knucks. Um, basically, to write him out of AW. Um, basically, said he made a deal with the devil, and obviously, it's stupid him for doing it. Um, and also, he, 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 a couple of a couple of things I noticed. He mentioned by name Brian Danielson, uh, Eddie Kingston, and Ricky Starks. I, I think when um, a lot of a lot of people were kind of like saying if they want MJF to kind of be a heel. They need like people who can kind of match him 
on the microphone and they were kind of like the three people who were like brought up as baby faces who could kind of like yeah. be a good oil for MJF and I think that's a very valid point um, I also think if they wanted to as I said this on Discord this week if they want to go down the kind of like avenue of who like of having, having MJF almost as like a tweener um, a good heel that could kind of be interjected into MJF and Starks which I don't think is going to happen now because I've seen they've made a match graphic for Winter is Coming as the main event as MJF vs. Starks. It would have been Ethan Page. Yeah. Um, have him like win the, the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal and then just make the make the match of Winter is Coming a triple threat. But I think Ricky's probably just going to win the Battle Royal as well. Um, Come for all the marbles. Well, that way they can they can have like, I don't know, that's a way of... Cause based it, on his promo. Where he said, I'm, "I'm taking everything from you." Well, look, it's weird because the way they've got it, obviously, whoever wins the battle royal has to fight MJF for the ring. Mm-hmm. But MJF's yeah. the world champion, so he can't lose. So he's probably just going to keep the ring anyway, regardless. Yeah, um, but yeah, just um, was there anything See, else? On it, 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 well, it, if they made him like give up the ring and be like, "Yeah, you have to re- either have to re-enter the battle royal to defend it, or you give it up," and he's like, "Well, it's beneath me now. I've got the title. I don't need the ring." So. But obviously now he's kept it. He's probably just going to keep it, isn't he? Uh, anything else? Um, I mean, Ricky Stark squashed Davari, which is fine. Willow Nightingale popped up and beat Anna Jay, which is lovely to yeah. see. Um, and the Jay Cargo Bow Wow stuff. I mean, I don't really care about it, but it's there for someone, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Good. And then obviously Death Triangle versus the Elite. How many how many different ways can we say this match fucks? Because, <laughs> because it's, it does every week, doesn't it? Um, it's just like, again, it's getting to a point where I'm kind of taking it for granted a bit now because we're having a lot of them and they're all absolutely yeah. bang. This one had a lot more like outside the ring stuff. That really cool moment where um, Pac just super kicks Matt Jackson and then like moonsaults backwards off the stage onto like four guys without even yeah. looking. When when um, when Kenny did that run and like went for the run of V-Trigger and Pac just like kicked them. Yeah. It was almost like the Brian Danielson V trigger, wasn't it? We did it from like three miles away. Yeah, um, I really like the uh, the tease for the finish of that as well, where like Pac obviously went for the Black Arrow and Phoenix and Penta had hold of him and um, oh sorry, Kenny and Nick and Matt just like blocked, got his knees up and rolled Pac up, got his and, knees like, up into Pac's face. Yeah, into his broken and, nose. And by the time like Penta and Phoenix kind of realised, Kenny and Nick had sort of turned the t- tables on them. How the turntables. How the turntables indeed. Um but yeah, the thing I kinda wanna talk about because it was just it was just something out, out of the left field and interesting was um the uh lumberjack match with Orange Cassidy and QT Marshall, more so what was going on around the ring as opposed to what was happening. Because yeah, the match was fine. Like QT Marshall's like a perfect like cartoon bad guy to get beat up on, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, also, it, it, also before the match, we had um, best friends and Danhausen as lumberjacks trying to come down to the ring with axes. Yeah, after Mark Henry said they couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the thing that really kind of uh, stood out to me, first of all, big shout out to um, Kevin Thorne and Spider Nate Webb making a few like cameos. Um, they were random as fuck. But the um. First of all, Kip Sabian trying to cost Orange the match to set up a match. Uh, I think that's got potential to be a really fun little mini feud. Yeah, because yeah, Penelope Orange. came out and I was like, what the fuck's going on? And then like Kip Sabian just appears out of nowhere and it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. Without his box on as well, which means he's obviously like, there's murder in mind. Um, but yeah, I think that would be a really kind of fun mini feud for Orange to have. Um, 
at any time kept on my TV, I'm happy because he's awesome. Yeah. Um, but also the aftermath with the House of Black just coming and bodying everybody. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> everyone. <laughs> Have you seen Being the Elite yet this week? Not yet, no. So the the ending of that, sorry to spoil it for you. It's all right. Um, essentially, well, you saw it on Rampage, so it, it, the ending's essentially Brandon doing his BTE footage for the uh, Battle Royal and then like he's, he's filming like the House of Black beating everyone down and he's like like a news reporter like oh god oh god they're doing this oh god. He, he just turns around and Malachi's like chasing him and he like zooms in on Malachi's eye go oh god that eye's freaking me out and then Malachi like kicks him in the stomach and Julia picks the camera up and is filming them like killing Brandon essentially <laughs> um, and obviously then afterwards um, the House of Black sort of call out the elite without calling out the elite right but essentially it, it seems to be teasing that that's who the house of black are after next to the elite which yes please um Fair. Uh, a couple of other things that sort of happened on this week's aw which we'll talk about now in relation to ring of honor yeah. final battle which is taking place this weekend um so first of all shane taylor appeared challenge keith yeah. lee so they were the what were they called they were in a tag team they were shane, uh, keith lee and shane taylor yeah I can't they're, remember. They're pretty boy killers. They were in Ring of Honor. Yeah. And then um, Keith got signed. Uh, Shane Taylor actually turned on Keith in their like local promotion as well. Right, okay. So it's Shane Taylor and JD Griffey versus weirdly Swerve in our glory because Swerve's like, oh, yo, Keith, I'm here if you need a tag partner. Yo. And Keith's like, fucking fine. I, I hope they um, bring in the other member of Shane Taylor Productions, uh, O'Shea Edwards, the big bad kaiju. Oh, yeah. Because... That that's a match you're going to enjoy because that's a fucking lot of meat. just two meat castles going at each other. Uh, we also yeah. have Mercedes Martinez uh, defending her women's title against Athena. Athena, who once again murdered the shit out of someone on Rampage, like oh, I love, with, with deadly forearms. I I love when Danny Mo hit Athena with the brothers kick, and Athena just no sold it. Looked like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, and then so, afterwards, when like Aubrey like goes to like break it, Athena like goes to punch it again. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, they're going to go to war on uh, on the pay per view. That's going to be really good. Um, yeah. Obviously, Samoa Joe is defending his Ring of Honor World Television Championship against another new signing in Juice Robinson. Yeah, rock hard Juice Robinson. Um, that's that's going to be fun. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a silly good match. It's a shame Juice is going to die in his first like official AW match that he's had. Bullet Club for 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 for, for life. Yeah, um, that's uh, what it's going to be. It's gravestone. And then we've got. Yeah. Two more matches in the sort of pantheon of the Jericho Appreciation Society against the Blackpool Combat Club. We have Daniel Garcia defending the pure title against Wheelie Utah, which again will be technically wonderful. Um, and in the main event, Chris Jericho defends against Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor World Championship. If Claudio loses, he has to join the JAS, which is yeah. probably the start of heel Claudio. Potentially. Depends if Claudio wins or not. I don't think, I don't think he's going to win, it's, is he? It's a hard one to call, I think. Mm. I think it's a really hard one to call. Uh, also, there was two matches announced for Dynamite this week, which, yes, please, which were Darby Allen versus Samojo for the TNT title. Yeah. And also FTR versus the Acclaim for the tag titles. Yes. Uh, and we probably won't. They might just throw FTR versus the Ass Boys onto uh, Final Battle. Mm. Do you reckon FTR beating the Acclaimed? No, I think the Kingdom will get involved. 
not seeing the kingdom for a couple of weeks. Well, I think the kingdom might get involved. We might even see FTR versus the kingdom on this show. On I thought Grand. we would get an FTR in the kingdom final battle, but then they just kind of disappeared. We might still. Um, also, um, just just a shout out because I think it's gone a bit under the radar, and I think he's getting a bit of hate. I think Cole Carter had a really good match with Darby on on Rampage. Yeah, I did. I, I think Cole Carter has very quietly gotten very good, at, quite good at wrestling. He reminds me a bit of like TNA AJ Styles. Mm. Like he's got he's got the similar look, but like he also just some of his movement reminds me of like young AJ Styles. I like that bit in the in the factory best friends match the other week when he went for like a dive off the ring and he was but he, he was like so like into his showboat and by the time he dived over the ring ropes he didn't realise that Chuck and Trent had moved and he just took out two of the factory. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. good fun. Uh right, uh, that'll probably do us for what our week in wrestling. I'll get it right eventually. Oh, we can wrestling. That's what I've called it. Uh, we'll have a quick break. If you're on Jack's radio, uh, you can have some Real Big Fish, some Coheed and Cambria, and some Future Islands. Three for your money right there. Ooh. I know. Fancy that. I'll be back very soon to talk some news. Are you having trouble sleeping or always feel tired? It's time to try Recovery PM and see why thousands of customers keep coming back for more. Most over-the-counter sleep aids are just melatonin. The problem with that is, if you can't relax and fall asleep in the first place, that melatonin is going to make you irritable. Recovery PM is a professional blend of nine clinically proven natural sleep aids and tranquilizers plus magnesium, so you're going to relax and then experience deep sleep and wake up refreshed and ready to attack the day. Your whole life is affected by lack of sleep. Your work, your relationships, your mood, your performance, and guys, that includes in the bedroom. Did you know that lack of sleep reduces your testosterone by as much as aging 10 years. So upgrade to Recovery PM for 30 days, and you'll be amazed how you feel. Thousands of people already have, and over 85% of them come back for more. So now, Jay, I know you have been taking Recovery PM for the past few weeks. Yeah, last uh, how, three weeks or so. How have you been finding it? Um, I'm honestly finding it really good. Um, I've noticed my sleep's a lot more regular. Like a lot more regulated, I should say. Um, I'm not nowhere near as groggy when I wake up. And definitely less that. irritable. Definitely less irritable. Um, <laughs> I'm again, it's it's benefiting me because I've started a new job and obviously my sleep patterns drastically changed. Um, Especially like you, I know without without giving too much away, you, you've been working from home, so you've been obviously you've been doing that thing that everyone who works at home does, where they wake up like ten minutes before they're meant to start work. Yeah. So well, for you, for not, you being able to wake up and feel day, full hour, mate. <laughs> so for you, like being able to wake up and feel sharp, like straight from the bath, yeah. is is really beneficial. Oh, it's awesome. I'm I'm not a morning person at all. I'm terrible at like when I wake up. I'm terrible at kind of like sort of motivating myself to do anything for the first like sort of 10, 15 minutes. I'm awake. Yeah. I can tell the staff have been working for you because the disco has been a lot quieter at night time with you not shit posting all the time. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, so if people want to follow in your footsteps, Jay, and they want to get hold of some of this Recovery PM and prove their sleep, how can they do it? Uh, go to recoverypm.com and use our code UWP, all in caps, uh, at the checkout for 15% off your order. Uh, you can also use that at legacysubs.com as well. Um, same code and yeah, fifteen percent off. It uh, really helps the podcast out. Um, means we can do a lot more cooler stuff that we're kind of like looking at doing um, in the new year. And if you're wondering where Recovery PM comes from, it's um, 
sort of spearheaded by Nick Aldis, who is yeah. a high, high level professional athlete. He knows exactly what he's talking about. He's run legacy subs for a number of years now. He really he knows the game. He knows what it's all about. Um, we yeah, had him on, the, on an interview as well, and he kind of gave us a bit of a background on the company within the interview. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, go and check that out if you want to learn more. And, yeah, get the best sleep of your life today at recoverypm.com. <laughs> news. Okay, we're back. Part two of the podcast. We're going to hit with a bit of news. Um, probably going to best leave off with what is undoubtedly the, the biggest story that came out of, of wrestling this week. Um, yeah. So, this I've got no source of this. It's wildly reported. Mostly Fightful Select and Fightful have done a lot of work on this. Uh, mm-hmm. William Regal is widely reported. I think it's officially confirmed now to be finished up with AW. Uh, apparently, Meltzer last... said he had confirmation of it. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so apparently his last day was Wednesday, like last Wednesday. Yeah. Um, so when when Faye asked him about RPD being a member of the Blackpool Combat Club, and he said yes officially, was he? Did he have that power still? Was he still in AW at the time? I mean, he's he's still kind of like the the patriarch of the Blackpool Combat Club, <laughs> regardless uh, of whether he's in it or not. So not only is he done with AW, he is apparently has just finalised a WWE contract and returning uh, to the company in a backstage role as soon as possibly January. Yeah. Would you like to see him in a TV role? I mean, it's, I'm, a, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't really watch WWE. So, uh, interestingly, I... Faye said when she did Q&A at Comic-Con, again, this is some behind the curtains, the fake we've been talking on Discord, um, he basically said that one thing he enjoyed about being in AW was not being in that sort of senior position and having people like phone him and ask him for a job, like for when he was like GM of NXT. Mm. So what's in, what's interesting about that is that um, it is that that like there's been kind of conflicting reports of that where um, Alvarez and Melter predominantly obviously have a little bit of inside knowledge um, of said like that he felt he was underutilized in, the, in his role in AEW, but right, so he wanted a little bit, he wanted a little bit more, yeah, which would make sense. I mean, he. he he talks about it on his podcast how much he loved that job he did in WWE. Yeah. Uh, if he's doing a predominantly TV role and predominantly like commentary and stuff like that for AEW, I suppose one thing he's not getting to do as much is scouting the talent because they've got people doing that already. So he's only yeah. really people he's seeing on like dark and dark elevation. It'd be nice to see him do something with his son. <laughs> his son's also I'd, NXT. I'd very much like that. Charlie Dempsey's phenomenal. Yeah, we love, I'd love to see that. Um, I and, and I, so there's been a lot of obviously a lot of discussion about this on the internet and Twitter has been its usual reasonable self about this whole thing. Um, oh, yeah. I've seen a lot of awful. I mean, even for wrestling Twitter, I've seen some fucking bad takes on this. Uh, look, it's William Regal. If one person has earned the right to work wherever the fuck he wants in wrestling, it's William it's- Regal. Yeah, absolutely. He can. Go, he should be able to allow. He should be allowed not to just go and do whatever brings him the most joy in life. Yeah, and I, you'd you'd think as well, like if he, he's done, he's. I mean, him coming in in that short amount of time, he's helped elevate Willie Willie Uther. He's helped make Danielson, Mox, and Claudio have like more legitimacy than they already had. Yeah, it's one of them. If you're, I'm, I'm an AW fan. I predominantly watch AW. If you are an AW fan and you're upset that William Regal's gone. Don't be sad because it's over. Smile because it happened. Yeah, I mean, we we literally. Did you ever think you'd get a 
a nine-month William Regal run in AEW. No, he didn't. It was never supposed to happen. So just nine just, months just, of William Regal trying to fuck Excalibur. <laughs> just love the fact that he got it. Love the fact that it happened. It's no one can yeah. take it away from us. We had that awesome like John Moxley run, like John Moxley on the tear of his career with Regal behind him was phenomenal. Just just remember it fondly and just treasure it because it was really really good fun. Uh, yeah, moving yep. on then. Uh, sticking with AEW, probably the second biggest story to come out this week. Uh, so last Saturday, just gone, speaking at Blizzard Bowl. I have no idea what that is. An independent show somewhere. Um, Dustin Rhodes announced that 2023 will be his last year as an in-ring competitor. Who do you think he's going to have his retirement match against? <sighs> I mean, you've got to think the only, the only one that makes sense is somehow Cody. Yeah, but he's already blown his load at that. Do we just do it again? More blood than ever. Than ever before. You won't um, let, let Cody do a bloodline in WWE, mate. Come on. <laughs> is it one thing that really really concerns me? Is it like, I'm just, just going to double check this. Mm. I'm pretty sure he made his debut in. Yep. Yeah, he made his debut the year I was born. So, 88. Yes. That's his 35th year in wrestling. That's an. I mean, no matter what you say, that's an. That's a phenomenal career. He's been everywhere. He's done everything. Especially because he feels like he's had like his, his, as far as match quality goes, he's had some of his best years like recently. Oh, so he's been in AW for three years. So he came in on the company starting in 2019. This has been a, an absolute resurgence. Like his matches with yeah. you remember that match I did earlier this year with CM Punk was phenomenal. Uh, the only well, yeah, which one? Max with Dax. Obviously, this match with Cody, which is still by some considered the best match in AW history, um, which was yeah. yeah absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, we wish him all the very best in absolutely. his retirement. I don't know if he's still going to stick around. He, he, he notes this is his last year under contract at AW as well, so he's, he's got one year left on his contract. Whether they re-sign him as a coach or a producer, I don't know. I think they'd be stupid to let him leave the business entirely or to go somewhere mm-hmm. else. I think his he's so valuable as a back. Like you listen, you, you speak, you listen to any of the AEW women's roster when they talk on podcasts. They, all, especially the younger women, they all say that Dustin is like essential to how that division runs, gets and the matches get put together and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everyone speaks super highly of him. I mean, who thought we'd be sat here in 2022 talking about Gold Dust and how he's just had like two of the best years of his career? I, I love. I don't think this is going to happen, but my my dream Dustin Rhodes retirement match is against Cardona, and have Cardona come out as Black Rain. <laughs> a brick relic and everything. I mean, Just... unfortunately, Cardona's probably going back to WWE, isn't he? So, nah. Cardona, Cardona's doing too well on the, on the Indies. I think. Like, what if he? What if he just gets Sting? What if Sting just does everyone's retirement match now? Yeah, just get Sting. <laughs> or just just ask WWE nicely. Doesn't have to do it in AEW, but if he can have Cody for like a fucking indie show in like an yeah, army. We'll, we'll, do, we'll do we'll do underground, do like MLW or something or, or GCW. Yeah, be alright. Be alright. How about just, I'll just give him Nick give him Nick Gage. Have Nick Gage like legitimately murder him. Oh, that's the thing. Speaking of murder, we didn't talk about that, do we? Um, I'll just throw it in here. Um, Eric Young was stabbed to death on Impact this week. Oh, shit. Yeah, he was. <laughs> Impact's going through that phase where it thinks it's looting on the ground again. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the thing. He's coming back to WWE, apparently. Um, that, we haven't got that in the news. Uh, instead, we're going to talk about Quetzali Bulnes. Quetzali Bulnes, uh, yeah. who was released by WWE. Uh, she's a Spanish um, 
content producer for WWE, as you know. Yeah, the host of WWE Ahura, and she did interviews on El Brunch to WWE. Okay. Well, she did, because she got released because they were at a house show in Mexico City, and she allegedly convinced one of her friends, a YouTuber named Falback, to jump the barricade and get in the ring, which is obviously a very sensible thing to do at a wrestling show. Yeah. Um, yeah, Byron Saxon apparently was furious, and then just like ended the kibosh, the whole thing. I can't think how hard it must be to make Byron Saxon angry at anything. I thought Byron Saxon has like two emotions, like dumbfounded joy and simping for Nia Jax. <laughs> Neither of those are anger, so I don't know how you managed to make him angry. Maybe, maybe like the the pain of like Stone Cold breaking his foot on his testicles as well. Because <laughs> that's a thing that happened. But yeah, so apparently this happened back in October, and obviously I think it was August sort of like sort of filtered through today, and she she's announced that she's no longer with the company. Yeah, she she put like a video on on um on TikTok because obviously TikTok over the weekends and yeah because, because youth the youth and the uh, yeah it's weird that she didn't you know just just go to management and say can we do this but I suppose that's yeah like, yeah I think the thing is she did it without telling anyone she just said to her mate oh yeah just get in the ring it's sound I work here <laughs> and it was like mm, you've yeah kind of, you kind of overplayed your hand a bit there like you know you're not you're not like Roman Reigns. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the carny roots of like the Mexican wrestling scene, isn't it? <laughs> this guy's a Mexican wrestling YouTuber, and he's just decided to do it. Um, uh, next up, speaking of keeping with WWE, um, Charlotte Fleur appears to be nearing a WWE return after she posted a picture of her wrestling boots on Instagram. Yeah, she's been training with um, Alba Fire and somebody else as well. Can she understand Alba Fire? Yes. Um, <laughs> Prob- well, she, she, I mean, she knows the other one, doesn't she? Um, Becky, not Becky Lynch, Nikki Cross. Yeah, true. She's pretty got, of- got some Scottish um, Oh, Zoe Stark was the other one. Oh, fair, yeah. You know, Zoe, Zoe Stark once ate sushi with a Japanese person, so she's cultured. So she is uh, literally the most so cultural person they have on the could, roster. You could say she was the translator. Maybe Alba Fire took her for Haggis or an Iron Brew or... <laughs> Fried Mars bar or something. Oh, I'd love like a Charlotte Flair with a fucking big iron brew and a fucking deep fried kebab or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw I saw a thing on Scottish Twitter this week, which was um a pizza but with like a with like Donna meat inside the like under the base. Oh see, that sounds incredible. Yeah. That sounds what well, like so wait, so, so let, it was like it was like it was like a calzone. Try, try about pizza for a second. Right. Is it so, do you mean do you mean like the dominoes like Double decadence where it's sort of the, yeah, but it was like it was like thick. So it was like imagine like a imagine like a base. You get a base, a pizza base, right? And you put donut on it, and then you put another pizza base over the top to make like a Millennium Dome with donut in. Don't you threaten me with a good time? And then you put the, the cheese and tomato on top of that, and then you cook it. Oh my god! So so essentially like a, like a a cross of a donut kebab, a pizza, and an enchilada. Sort of, yeah. That but sounds. Yeah, just where, where? Yeah. I don't. It's Scotland. We'll have to get Aaron to bring one down for us next time he comes down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's why a few Scottish people make make sixty. There, 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 there was a, um, a kebab shop by mine that used to do um, something called the Sky High Special, which was essentially a kebab on a twelve-inch pizza. Yeah. yeah. So it was. It, they just made a twelve-inch pizza, and then put the kebab on it. And then you yeah. folded it and ate it like a kebab. Like a donut. Nice. <laughs> majestic. 
So yeah, Charlotte Flair, known Iron Brew enthusiast. Um, I mean, you've got to be thinking probably the Rumble, like, right? Oh God, yeah, she's gonna win the fucking thing, isn't she? Because like, look, look at it's cyclical. Ronda won it last year and then beat Charlotte. So Charlotte's gonna win it this year and then beat Ronda. And no, Bianca won it the year before. You don't worry After... about that. Just it's just it's just. Wait, wait. Uh, but Bianca won it by beating. No, she beat Rhea. After Charlotte beat Bianca the year before. And I'm talking about like winning the Rumble versus who they fight at Mania. So like. Oh yeah, yeah. Charlotte Ronda won the Rumble and then beat Charlotte. At, well, it was backlash, wasn't it? Technically, but it's all the same thing now. It doesn't really yeah, matter. Uh, and then, so I think Charlotte's going to win it this year and then beat Ronda at Mania. Yeah, I'm. I'm not really. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about I'm it. It's so fine. unenthused about Charlotte Flair at this this point. Yeah, right. Moving on to a bit of bad news. Um, WWE Hall of Famer Barry Windham. So that's the father of Bray. No, the uncle. Uncle. So possibly he's, the actual Uncle Howdy. He, he's who Uncle Howdy is based on. Right. Um, so yeah, before, WWE Hall of Famer Barry Windham is in the ICU after suffering a heart attack. This is according to a GoFundMe campaign set up by his niece, uh, Mika. It was, he was in the airport, wasn't he, as well? Was he? Oh, Jesus. He was in Atlanta airport. Because people were saying on a plane. I've heard horror stories about that airport, to be fair. Well, I mean, I'm sure it doesn't like spontaneously cause heart attacks. Yeah, I mean, was, was that not the airport that Ric Flair like got arrested in one time? I mean, that's not the airport's fault, to be fair. No, but you know, the, the, <laughs> it just, the horsemen have bad luck, bad windmills, and ex-horsemen. The airport didn't take his dick out, mate. True. Mika is um, is Bray's sister as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thoughts with Barry Windham, like he's he's awesome. He's so such an underrated wrestler and. If you look at pictures of him recently, he literally looks like Uncle Howdy with grey hair. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh... less less of plastic, less of a plastic face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thought thought of, thought of Barry Windham. This, yes, this genuinely concerning. Hope he hope he does or hope he pulls through. Uh, and then we'll end on something just a bit a bit weird and a bit fun and a bit wacky. Um, for the news, last news segment. So on the latest Kurt Angle show, which is Kurt Angle's podcast, uh, Kurt revealed that Brock Lesnar asked if Angle would be able to get him into TNA in 2007. That's so this was fucking madness. So let's 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 just do a bit of historical reference here. You're the man for this. Um, so Brock yep. leaves WWE in 2004. That's when yep. he has the real big fallout, isn't it? And he said he'd never wear for them again. Yes. So we went over that's, that's just after that he went over to New Japan. He and had, did a few bits he, had the, he had the no compete clause for like five years or something. Jesus. And then he breached it to go and wrestle in Japan. I believe he took WWE to court and won. So he, he was basically free to do whatever he wanted from that point. Pretty much. Um, and then yeah, and then so he basically said, um, he said to Kirk, can you get me in? And he said, basically, he said he saw that Sting and Kurt were making, like, big money in TNA. And so he said to Kurt, like, basically, you get me you get me the money you're on, and I'll come and I'll come to TNA. And Kurt took it to Dixie Carter, and she was like, fuck, no, we ain't paying that. Imagine, yep. imagine not paying what was probably a fucking pittance compared to what he makes in WWE now to Brock yeah. Lesnar. Well, so... Kurt That's Kurt said TNA were not willing to give him that amount of cash. And note, Kurt Angle noted the amount in question was, quote, seven figures. 
seven figures. So that's what, like tens of millions. Yeah. Yeah, Dixie, Dixie was fucking bruised that she could have well afforded that. I mean, think how much money they probably gave for Hogan and Bischoff in like like three years later. Yeah, and also think how much money they were paying fucking people with dog shit like fucking Rob Terry. Yeah, well, he, he, he probably wasn't there in 2007. 2007 was like Angle Joe, uh, main event, start of main event mafia. Rob Terry wouldn't have been there, though. God, no, no, he only came with the British Invasion in like 2000. Black Rain was there. Then, yeah, relic that's killer backwards. He was there. <laughs> I so this is just before I started watching TNA, I started watching like sort of midway through 2009. So I never sort of, I mean, yeah, it's just madness to think, isn't it? Like that, that was when, right, just, just for retrospect, that was when TNA was literally like considered a viable place to work, like it, it could have. It could have got to as big as AEW if they had a brought in like Brock. Yeah, it was. It was when TNA were considered like the legitimate alternative to WWE for people. It was like yeah. a cool alternative. It was. It was like pushing the for sure, man. Jesus, they they could have they could have legitimately like they were drawing more on Dino, on sorry on Impact than Raw is now. Like at that, at that point, Raw was doing like three point something. TNA were doing like two point something. Yeah, and they, now like Raw, they like... they were doing better numbers in the UK than WWE was. Yeah, I mean they were on like well, Spike or something yeah. channel. Even Challenge, Challenge, and they were on UK TV two or whatever. It was like those had some weird like digital, but they were on, like they were on like the free version, of, like TV, yeah. Yeah, which was yeah, they, they had like and they were pop, they were selling out like the Emmy and Arena. Like every year they come to the UK, they were selling out the UK arenas. They did a month's taping in the UK because the crowds were fe- like absolutely rabid. Yeah. And then yeah, Hulk Hogan brothered it all away and the nasty boys and fucking Bubba the Low Sponge. Really bad. Oh, when are we when are we doing when are we gonna do that PTSD episode where we just go deep dive into twenty ten CNA? I, I think I think we should uh that, that well I, I me and Aaron have start I've been done a few like watching like bad retro pay per views, and that's definitely a, definitely worth a deep dive from old TNA so. oh. But the first one, Genesis twenty ten, the first one with the four sided ring. <laughs> no, they, didn't, they didn't even tell anyone because I just appeared in the, the fucking start of the show because yeah, four sided ring came out when everyone hates the six sided ring and the fans are booing them. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus! Fuck you, Hogan. Also featured the debut of uh, Ken Anderson when he beat the piss. An open challenge. Yeah, don't worry about it. Uh, right on that note, then we'll uh, we'll wrap up news. Um, yeah, we'll be we'll have another very quick break on Jack's radio. If you're not on Jack's, give Jack's a go. Not only do you get awesome wrestling content, you also get the my my awful ta- my weird very taste of music. Should we say? Um, so just yeah. to, to, just to clarify, just to give you a point, we've got uh, this this time around. We've got some news. We've got some offspring, and we've got some Radiohead. And we're back real soon for part three. Okay, we're back. Right, we're going to move on to the final part of our show. So this is what we're going to be called talking points. So what we're going to do with this is a bit of a sort of a sort of smorgasbord of, of wrestling bits and bobs. Uh, if we've got any interviews to run, we'll run them here. You can hear like us talking to wrestlers. Hopefully we're going to... One thing I really want to try and do um, in 2023 is get a lot of 
up and coming British wrestlers on to sort of talk to us about like them and the British wrestling scene. Obviously, it's something very close to our hearts. We go to a lot of local shows. Um, obviously, I know Troy does as well down in Coventry. Um, Aaron, he just watches people twat each other with things in Scotland. It's like a national pastime out there, isn't it? Um, but yeah, we're, we're already. A local car park. Just, <laughs> just watch two guys stab each other in a car park outside the Weatherspoons. Um, yeah, I mean, it's we're all very passionate about British, uh, like British wrestling, and about sort of supporting local wrestling companies. Um, so I'd love to. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna start. Off, we're, we're sort of getting a bit of an in now through like the work we're doing with TNT, and, and we sort of, we've got a lot of wrestlers who sort of are willing to talk to us. I think uh, hopefully we, something we can do over the next sort of twelve months is get a lot of them into like little half hour interviews, and we'll sort of clip them up and we'll put them in this position so you'll always get a little bit yeah. like a little little nice dessert like a little interview with someone who's cool in British wrestling and I, I want to do not, I don't just want to do wrestlers maybe like I really want to get like the guys from Wrestle Island on the podcast talk about the, the whole promotion get some referees on bits and bobs stuff like that like something a bit different and that'd be really really cool yeah, however we, we, we don't have any of that for today so instead you, you get more of our opinions <laughs> so what we're going to do I've just put a, like a couple of questions up on here I'm just going to sort of there's little hot topics in, in like the wrestling industry at the moment and we're just going to sort of rattle through as many as we can rattle through in the time that we have remaining. Um, so we're going to start with, again, probably the biggest wrestling story of the week. We touched on it in the news. We talked about it a little bit. Coming out it from a slightly different angle here. Uh, so first question, Jay, how successful was William Regal's run in AW? Um, I think it was somewhat successful. Like when you look at the rise of like Wheelie Yuta, for example, and as I say it, Got a little bit, little bit more credibility. Not that it wasn't necessarily needed to guys like Danielson, Eddie Kingston, um, Moxon, Claudio. But I do think there was all and MJF. Um, but I do also think there was a lot of kind of missed opportunities with it and stuff where they could have maybe done a little bit more here and there, such as. Deep kiss and scalp. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was the biggest tease, wasn't it? Like we didn't even yeah, get a pay uh, after that. No, no. Realistically, the, um, the love, the love, the the greatest love story of the summer. Realistically, I think, like, sort of, it is is sort of rebuttal to MJF Ted. None of them would have been really interesting to see uh, how he kind of like opposed that. Uh, even even him kind of like his answer to the Blackpool Combat Club of why because he never really gave an answer did he yeah I, I would have read I mean I can understand what they did so he Mox had to, threatened to murder him and then he fucked off well he had to get his comeuppance didn't he from someone and I think it makes more because it was it would have been a tough ask for like Mox versus Regal the fans would have been a bit split on that yeah I, I think I, I mean I, I would have. I, th- I, I think have I, I think I think him getting his comeuppance from MJF is a little bit more. It serves the storyline a little bit better because it solidifies MJF. Like it's like all right, this is he's gone down this road now. He's a heel. Like he's he, no one's going to cheer him for punching Regal. Like this is this is it. This is this is his heel moment. This is this. If he was sort of on the fence of it and like people were cheering him and you know this oh, is, yeah. this sends him down that path and it it was it was important that that happened. I kind of do. I mean, I kind of like the last thing that Moxie said to him was just just go. Like if I ever see you yeah, again, I'm gonna yeah. fucking kill you. But just leave. Yeah. Um, that that was that was in a way that was more scary than if he'd have beaten them up. Not that I think Regal will come back, but would you like to see him? Would you like would well would would you like to see him potentially come back in some kind of role to TV for AW or for 
or for WWE. Uh, yes, I know. I mean, I, I, as you said before, I kind of just want Regal to do whatever he wants at this point in his career now, basically. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we got him in AW. It feels like a bonus level. It feels like a bit of a, a bit of a, a sort of a surprise, a special prize. Like we, we probably, it was, it was never going to happen. Had WWE not stupidly fired him, it never would have happened because he was, he was a man for life there. Don't forget, WWE is a company that Regal credits with saving his act, literally saving his life. Yeah, you know, you can't. I'm, I'm, I'm never gonna. I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna put my AW Superman hat on and be like, oh, Regal's a traitor. He shouldn't. Have... No, Regal's allowed to do whatever the fuck he wants. He's, yeah. he is a legend. A he legend. Is, he's a man who's earned all the respect in the business, and he gets to work wherever the fuck he wants and do whatever he wants. And he obviously has a lot of love for Triple H because he's worked very closely with him for a number of years on NXT. He has a lot of love for well, WWE as a company, was... which is completely understandable. There was the thing that come out as well that Triple H was like irate that Regal got fired because he was like a guy who's. He was like his right hand man. He well, said he should. Don't forget life. this. This was in the, this was during the time when Nick Khan was basically firing all of Triple H's boys to weaken his position when he was literally recovering from a heart attack. Yeah, I bet that's an awkward board meeting. <laughs> so yeah, we're but, bringing William Regal back. Triple and H, Nick, right, we're bringing this guy back, and Nick Khan is like, "Okay, Paul, you do you," because Stephanie's not going to fucking let him argue with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I mean, would I like William Regal back in AW? I mean. I kind of think he's done what he needs to do. Mm. Yeah. Like, what did we get out of it? We got all the Excalibur horniness, which we loved. We got um, William Regal on Hey EW, which was fantastic. Yes. Yes, it was. We got him on the AW. He, he did everything when he was here. He, he was only he was here for, again, he was here for a good time, not a long time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> he did. He did all the podcasts. Yeah. He did. He elevated John Moxley's title reign. He solidified John Moxley as like a threat. He brought Brian Downs and John Moxley together. He helped Claudio bed in in the company. You know, he like you say, he elevated Wheeler Utah. Wheeler Utah feels like a big deal now. I wish mm-hmm. he would have been a bit more active, maybe in the Blackpool Combat Club versus JAS. I would have loved to see him and Jericho got it properly on the mic once or twice more, maybe. Yeah. Just because, because that, for me, that's where the nostalgia is. Like Regal v Jericho, like that's my childhood. Yeah, absolutely. Same with you. Like that's that's what we grew up watching. It, that was that was a really cool moment for fans our age to see that that play out again on TV. Um, like Regal talking about the toothbrush he used on his ass or whatever, you know, and all that. Yeah. Um, that was really good fun. Would have loved to see a little bit more of that. Um, but no, I think I think he kind of ticked all the boxes. I think he just got in, did his work, and got out. Fair play to him. Yeah. Yeah, we even got the the little Regal and Danhausen thing, didn't we, as well with Danhausen Kirsten. Yeah, oh god, yeah. yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then I think the way it's I mean it, it didn't I don't think they they fully explained the the Regal MGF alliance thingy this week, did they? But I think that's kind of part of the part of the joy of it is that it's a bit nebulous. It's a bit like you're not meant to know like what it's it's like the, the supervillain master plan, isn't it? You you sort of not meant to know I, what the details. I I do like the kind of the whole thing with that where it's like MJF's basically outfoxed Regal. Like he, he's he's out regaled Regal by Well it's it's it's, the, it's that old story, isn't it? Like, it's, like, it's like the old the older generation underestimate the youth and then they turn out to be the real villain. It's like all right, this is it's 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 MGF's ambition that makes him the most dangerous now. It's like he's Regal's finished, he's no longer like trying to win. Like MGF wants everything. So he's he's more dangerous. Like he's the he's the real like supervillain because he's the one who uh, wants to go as far as possible. MJF basically wants to exploit AEW for all the money he can. 
and and I loved like again if we're talking so which we, we said was William Regal's run a success so if nothing else the middle bit was if the middle of it was like sort of seven out of ten say the whole middle I think his debut which was a blockbuster moment yeah and his exit which was a blockbuster moment a beautiful yeah. sort of capstones so even going back to like to the promo this week. You can hear, like, you can see Regal. He's, he's got, like, his smug sort of shit-eating grin on. Like, oh, yeah, you know, we, we did want we pulled one over. And all the while, MGF's talking about this, like, contract and the bid and war and the money and the Hollywood. You can see Regal just getting, like, slowly and slowly a bit more disillusioned. He's, he's starting to worry a bit. Like, his facial expression sort of drops a bit. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, oh, fuck, what have I done here? Like, I've, I've fucked up here. Yeah. And it, it, it's it's sort of like it's slowly sort of the MGF just slowly sort of like it's like it's like Shakespearean almost. He so he, he just works him into a position and then he just stabs him basically. And it's one one thing that would be clever as well is, is if obviously with Regal going back to WWE and that's like kind of like the worst kept secret in wrestling at the moment. If when and it, this kind of like sort of crescendos into our next point quite well. Um, if when like MGF's like sort of. Going on about the bidding war twenty four. Obviously, he's like, "Oh yeah, Triple H and Uncle Nick are gonna hire me," and um, it it would be quite good if then, like, they they do kind of similar to like the CM Punk bargaining with Vince McMahon thing when mm. his contract was coming up. Um, and Tony can kind of go, "Well, you kind of burnt the only bridge you've got over there because you beat up at this boy." Uh, just, just again before we before we move on, because it does sort of segue nicely. I'm going to derail it now. Uh, we also did get to have William Regal say "Blood and Guts." We did, we did, which was beautiful. That was worth it. August for that. Probably between that, between between, between that, between that, and him telling Audrey City that he feels sad because his lizards have all died and he shouldn't be reminded about them. Yeah, <laughs> which was great. Uh, yeah. So next up on next talking point then. Um, so again, following on from that, uh, what do you see from MGF's title run in twenty twenty three? Um, I mean, I think they've they've got three people who he should drop it to, and they're the three that he named. How I, 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 I said, I, th- I think it's very because one thing MGF and one thing AEW do very well is foreshadowing, don't they? They're very, they're very sort of, yeah. um, it's very sort of theatrical the way they do stuff like this. I, I, I think. Eddie Kingston seems like the logical one because obviously MJF said Eddie Kingston will never be a world champion. Mm. It's almost it's almost like the whole Mick Foley yeah that but button seats thing. Um, imagine, I, if I, it, imagine if he wins at a Grand Slam. Oh fuck! I <laughs> I I think he'll win it as late as possible. I I think they'll. They're gonna drag that out probably till the last show of the year. You reckon we're gonna get like a? Do you reckon this is gonna to go to like a sort of meta storyline of like like Vince did, but like the other way around? Like it's like the CM Punk Vince thing, but instead obviously instead with CM Punk Vince, it was it was a face CM Punk and a heel Vince. Are we gonna instead get like a face? Who, whether it be Tony Khan or whether someone else is in that position on screen, are we gonna get a particular where they're sort of desperately trying to get the belt off MJF before? The end of the year. I think so, yeah. So it's going to be like, right, well, you'll have to wrestle Brian Danielson and he somehow beats Brian Danielson. Like, fuck, you're going to have to wrestle Ethan Page or you have to wrestle Ricky Starks. And then I've, it's going to be like the last throw of the dice is like, right, Eddie Kingston. Have you seen um, the um, parts of Unknown Adam Blampier booking MJF's title run? 
Uh, I, may, I might have have forgotten. Can I just tell you how what I would do very quickly? Well, so and it ties in and it might just be the way they go because it ties in with what they're doing so Eddie Kingston's got this sort of like loose storyline where he goes a bit too far and he's a bit aggressive and he sort of you know takes liberties literally like two months into the year suspend him take him off TV let him go with the Indies don't don't mention him don't talk about him do, do what he should have done with Kevin Steen and Ring of Honor. You mean? Yeah, he's been suspended indefinitely. You, you and like you can have you can have like MGF saying, "Oh, you're never going to see him again." He's he's a he's an animal. He's a thug. You know, he's he's not fit to be on TV. He's gone. Basically, don't see him for the whole year. You have you have all these matches. You know, you know what? I I raise you for that. What the way they could do that is have Eddie beat MJF for the title, but refuse to break the hold like he did with Sammy. So I just haven't batted Bryce Remsburg on on a pay per view. Oh, because MJF cheats or something, and then yeah, or like and yeah, and he just batters him after the belt because he loses it. I... Suspend him, and then so you have all these guys trying to take the belt from Jeff, and no one can do it. He, he's he's you've beaten them all, and yeah, you basically you want to beat the devil. You've got to call in, you've got to call in the specialist. You've got, and then so to, like last like winter is coming. Surprise, MJF MJF's like really cocky. I've beaten everyone. No one's left. Boom, Eddie's music hits, out he comes. They just beat the piss That's out of each point. other. Yeah. The thing is, though, which we've got to address, is if Eddie beats MJF for the belt, it needs to be after someone's got the chip. And that someone should be Swiss. Oh, can you imagine? I've Claudio. Eddie wins the belt. I've Claudio cashing the chip. Take the fucking belt. Get Tessas out there. Get bloody. <laughs> get, get Aries out there. Not Oscar get Aries. Aries out there. Aries. Get BDK. BDK for the boys. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's if that's part of Claudio's heel journey, then yeah, I can see. That's how I turn Claudio heel is just just I'm happy. I'm i bring back BDK or like bat- BDK. and batter Eddie Kingston like halfway to death. Yeah, that'll be that'll be sensational. Just I'd absolutely love really that. BDK life for a year that'll be boss uh, I, I think we should so yeah so obviously we see we see a long reign from Jeff. I mean just the fact that you're, you're entertaining this question means you don't believe your boy Ricky Starks is going to win at Winter is Coming I don't think he's going to win yet this is this is this is sort of setting the scene is that this is like this is act one this I, is like sort of I think yeah I think everyone that MJF mentioned so Starks Starks uh, did he mention Hangman no he mentioned Starks um, Dark and Kingston. They're the three guys who I think are gonna kind of push MJF to his limits. And what I really like about this is this is a totally different main event scene. So you've had the previous one, which was like Mox Hangman Punk. Yeah. And now it's pivoted to like potentially to three or four re- completely different guys. What? It shook up the whole main event scene. It feels well, fresh now. Like completely you say fresh. That, but then like Danielson obviously feuded with. Um, both Kenny and Hangman. Yeah, but it wasn't like uh, a prolonged program. It was just like a one and done, wasn't no, it? No, but and he had and he and Mox as well. But like he, that's what I mean. He still had matches. Eddie had that really good feud with Mox over the title. Yeah, and Starks has like kind of been sort of on the precipice, hasn't he? But then, as we we mentioned the other week, when you talk about MJF and his history in the company, you can add in guys like Jungle Boy, you can add in guys like Darby Allen, people Darby. who he's got this, these ma- he's had these matches with these like sort of tempo matches. I, that they can I'd, bring really, back in. I'd really like um, as part of MJF's reign 
that he beats all of the um or he wrestles all of the other pillars mm. and beat like say I'm beat Sammy because no one wants to see Sammy beat him. I haven't beat Darby by fuckery. And then you could either have Jungle Boy beaten or have him beat Jungle Boy again by fuckery. Yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> And I mean, you could also. I had one of the. Two, I had one in the head. Then I forgot. Um, I mean, there's also there's guys like Dante Martin, Wardlow. Wardlow's still knocking around. Like he's just conveniently lost his title. Yeah. So he's got something. I'd love. To, oh, that's the one. I'd love to see somewhere down the line, like a sort of tweener Ethan Page. Yeah. Go up against him. I think that'd be I mean, again. As the promos say, there would be really good. The mic work would be fantastic. You, you could literally, sh- like, with very minimal effort shoehorn him into this Starks and MJF feud. Yeah. I think what happens with next week with the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal, I think that's going to really set the the scene for the opening act of MJF's title reign. I think we're going to sort of see the first like sort of few months yeah. crystallize out of that. I think it should be fascinating to see how that how they how those stories because we know AW they love to run multiple storylines through battle royals. And I think yeah. what they what they do in that battle royal is really going to sort of set the the scene for like up to the next pay-per-view and I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah, well one thing that I kind of think would be beneficial if they did shoehorn Ethan Page into that as well is then you can kind of can kind of drag out Ricky and MJF, which I think the guys have got enough promo chops in them that they'd be able to do that. Um, also, hear, hear me out. What we just picked between Eddie and Claudio, what about that? But Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hubs, thank you. <laughs> Powerhouse, Hobbs. Powerhouse Hobbs has been too much for traitor already. If you want to see me endure. Like a, tw- a ten minute Eddie Kingston title reign. I put it to you that you could have a ten minute Ricky Starks title reign. Ricky wouldn't fall for the same thing twice. <laughs> All right. Got this. Uh, right, we'll, we'll move on then because we've, we've talked a lot about MGF there. Uh, we'll, we'll, we're gonna yeah. for, we're gonna for the sake of fair and balanced, like you know, famously neutral news station Fox News. <laughs> we'll throw in some WWE content. Uh yeah. you're kind of you're gonna have to do the heavy lifting on this one because I I okay. mean I, I can kind of offer an opinion but that's all I've really got. Uh simple one will Roman drop one or both belts in twenty twenty three and if so to who? I'd like to see him drop both. I mean I think that's the biggest challenge that Triple H has got right now is the world title picture because you've got the two belts unified. Now how how do you split a unified title? Normally, oh. they just normally they just put that belt as one belt and then bring in a new belt around the side. But what they did last time is they had Becky. I mean, they, when Becky had them both, they were distinctly two belts, weren't they? And they were they were two separate titles. Like I don't this, know. They've, this they yeah. legitimately called the unified. He is, he, he is the un, the, he is the unified Universal Champion. Yeah, but he has two belts because. Yeah. Well, was that, well, first of all, first of all, there's that rumor, isn't that's been going around for a while that there's new belts coming. Yeah. Well, interestingly, did you see that picture of um, oh, not picture, um, video of Dwayne and um, what's his name, Randall Park? Yeah. Doing like all around Dwayne's house, and Dwayne had the uh, Universal Championship on his on his belt collection wall. It's like you've never held that, and everyone's like going deep into them into the meta that this is what it's going to be. Into the Dwayne verse. Oh. 
my connection has gone really short. Yeah, my yeah, we're fine. Well, you, fine. you froze, but I can just about hear. We'll just uh, we'll just power through. It's fine. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah, it, it's so so obviously the, the the number one sort of story is: will it be the Rock? Will it be WrestleMania? I think the most logical person to do it is Cody. Because he's going to be there for week in, week out. Be be what they wanted Rome to be, essentially. Mm, the American roller coaster. Yeah. Like, they, they wanted Roman to be, like, their unified champion, defend it week in, week out on every brand sort of thing. Cody'd happily do that. So is Cody going to win the Rumble? Is that what you're saying? I think it makes the most sense, like storyline wise, it makes the most sense that Cody comes back, wins the Rumble, and then takes the belt off Roman. Also, the other thing you could do is, which looking at the um, the rumored thing is, they're gonna have Sammy versus Sammy versus Roman at Elimination Chamber in Montreal mm-hmm. because it's Sammy's hometown, and then you know they they like having Roman kill people in the hometown. Uh, or in the home. Um, no, they're not going to have Roman in the chamber. No, they're going to have a singles match, and then Fine. they're going to. They'll probably have a chamber for the women's or something. I guess. Yeah, you know, I mean, again, I think we did. We talk about this with Troy the other week. It'd give me an elimination chamber match to the IC title and just put the fucking meat in there. Yeah, just put good. all put get round up all your big boys and put them in one elimination chamber for the IC title and let uh, Gunter chop the piss out of all of them. That'd be good. I'd enjoy that. I wanted to chop him like he's seasoning meat. <laughs> chop him like he's applying a dry rub. <laughs> just, yeah, just everyone. I mean, yeah, just give me all your hench lads in that one. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, I want just make the icy title. I mean, it kind of is. I just make it a hoss belt. Yeah. That's what we want. Made Ricochet for air, Bobby Lashley. I mean, just now, just the start of the match, just all five of them, just throw Ricochet into the sun. Just throw him through the ceiling. Uh, yeah, they're doing that this week. Yeah. Uh, right. So, yeah. So you think? I mean, do, is there a world in which Sami Zayn can win a title off Roman or the title off Roman? I mean, if I was writing it, yeah, it would be. Oh, mate, that would be like. I mean, you've got you've got Daniel Bryan two point like falling into your lap there, haven't you? Yeah, I think. The, the logical thing is to do is well the, the two logical things is one Cody two Sammy um, because obviously there's the rumours of Dwayne I I, I I think they'll probably if see the, the thing is they've got themselves in a corner because if Dwayne's coming back he's probably not going to lose even though he should oh he can't um, I don't think Lose or come back? Lose. If he comes back, I think he has to win. Mm. Like the fans are going to be feral, aren't they? Yeah. Well, look at look at look at Cena, where the first year Dwayne won and the second year he lost. He'd have to do it like that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, it's they booked themselves into a corner where it's then. Well, you need whoever beats Roman. It should be as big as like whoever ends the streak. And obviously, you look at Brock, and even though he didn't really need it, 
look at how much it made him like the final boss of WWE for years because he ended the streak. And then Roman beat Brock and it legitimized Roman. Yeah. Like the whoever beats Roman essentially is inheriting all of that. It's crazy, isn't it? Because like it's like you say, it's because Romans have this like mammoth title run. It feels like they can't like just have it can't just be someone who beats him. It feels like it has to be this like huge, like epoch defining victory. It has to be a star making thing. Yeah. Something that solidifies someone in the main event. And that's why I think it should be Cody or Sami Zayn. Or if they want to still drag it out for another year, Bron Breaker would be a great shout as well. Yeah, you think like because there's no one well, I mean Cody is ready, but he's like fucking old. He's not that old. He is thirty seven. Mid thirties. Thirty seven. Nah. It's, it's a, that's a fucking young age in WWE, mate. I mean, You've got Damien Priest, who's a 40-year-old rookie. Yeah. Sami Zayn's 38th. Yeah, exactly. Don't worry about it. Be fine. So, Be fine, mate. Yeah. It's a, tr- it's a, tr- it's a tricky one. Um, I, I, see, I, think, I, think, and I think the longer it goes on, the more like the pressure, not pressure, it's not really the right word, but like, the, it's not, not the pressure on the performer, but the pressure on creative to deliver a massive moment yeah yeah that's what i mean i think that i think the story of sammy and roman really lends itself to it's the perfect kind of storm of things and it should it should in my eyes be what does it but i know it won't be because they're probably going to just have sammy and ko and the usos tag title reign instead yeah which is still would also be fine yeah but yeah is what it is Right, because we'll have one last quick one before we wrap it up. Um, a nice sort of light one after that sort of heavy one. Um, predictions for AEW Fight Forever. How do you how do you see it landing? How do you see it? Uh, are you hyped for it? Are you ready for it? Do you want it? I'm stupidly excited for it because all the stuff just looks like a modernized version of No Mercy, which was part of my childhood. So. See, I've I've got this horror. I see I see fear. I, I don't have any personal stake in the game, obviously, but I have. Because of tribalism and ignorance, I think a lot of people are going to kind of miss the point of the game. Yeah, because it's not going to be as polished as. 2K. I remember. I remember when the um, when the like trailer come out, and people were like, "Oh, why is the art style like that? It looks shit." I was like, "Well, it's literally designed to be like an old school like arcade wrestling game, like No Mercy. It's not yeah. meant like." a wrestling simulator like 2k <laughs> which is fine by the way like there's nothing wrong with that like look at like 2k is essentially the fifa of of wrestling games but i want what? is the pro either well I was, I was gonna say fight forever is more like the red card red card soccer yeah a bit of sensi yeah a bit more cartoony yeah um, you want to play as dol- a team of dolphins? You can do. That's what. <laughs> oh, fuck! Record so was great, mate. I fucking loved it. That was one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> but no, uh, I mean, I'm obviously I'm I'm excited for it. I, I, I really. So again, it was also apparently confirmed this week that CM Punk's still going to be in the game. Yeah, my my main's probably going to be Mr. Brody Lee. Yes, I, I. You usually on wrestling games, I'll I, I favor one of two people, either a flippy boy or a hoss, and Mr. Brody is a bit of both. 
years, he's a horse who can go. So yeah, he's a horse, horse who can do flippy boy stuff. So it's a little well, obviously it's not coming up before Christmas. Now we'd have obviously known about it if it were. Uh, it it's, seems to bit have been alluded that it's it's going to be between now and May though. Right, so like first half twenty twenty three. Based on based on placeholders that have been sort of like put out within the games industry, which just to kind of sort of pull a curtain back, been not not like I'm a fucking insider, but I did used to work within the games industry, so I do keep me kind of ear to the ground with this. You're going to say, have you got any contacts with game who can give you? The I don't have any contacts, but I do kind of like follow. Like, does, does your uncle work for Nintendo? No, not anymore. <laughs> Not since the leaks. Not since they closed down that Liverpool Nintendo factory. Not, 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 not since, not since he went in and they brought me back a Mew. Not since he stole the Switch Two for you. Yeah. <laughs> not, not since, not since he brought me back a Game Sphere. <laughs> oh God! Or that weird GameCube that played DVDs that never came out. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic. I've, I've obviously we're both long-time video game fans. We've, we've, we've both been burned before. Um, not necessarily. On, I mean, I, I bought the test. Best case scenario for me is that it's like one of three games: No Mercy, WWE All Stars, or um, oh fuck, what was the WCW? WCW Mayhem. Yes. And not WWE Battlegrounds because that was bad. Never WWE Battlegrounds or WCW Backstage Assault. I've been literally, I've been chasing the high of WWE All Stars for like over a decade now. Oh man, that that was such a surprise! I remember like that come out, and I it was while I was working in game, and the sales on it. I didn't buy it on day one for some reason, and the sales on it was so bad that it like got reduced to like twenty five quid, like within two weeks of it coming out. So I, I got paid. And I was like, oh, fuck it, yeah, I'll get that. I'll get on my discount. So I got it. And I was like, this this is fucking great. Why, why aren't people playing this? Because people are idiots. Oh, it was so good. It was so entertaining. So I've still got it as well. Oh, nice. We'll have to play it sometime. We'll do it for the podcast. We'll do it for the YouTube I'll channel. I set up my PS3 and get it played. Yeah, man. Uh, right. It's backwards compatible on Xbox and buy. It's not, sadly. And you can't buy digital anymore because license. Um, so, yeah. I know. Yeah, I guess, I guess I, every time I go into sex, I just like, look for it and like, oh, is it there? If it's like under a tenner, I'll just pick it up to have it just so one day I can play it again. Yeah. I've, I've got it. I've, I've still got it on my PS3 somewhere. So. Oh, nice. Oh, sweet. I don't know. Uh, right, I think that's going to wrap us up, Jay. Um, first one, first show of the new format in the bank. I, I enjoyed that. Did you? Uh, yeah, did you, did I you think like that? that flowed very nicely. It was a lot more laid back than yeah. That's why I, I, I want like, a little bit more conversational. Was, was strictly looking at like right, we've got to talk about this now because <laughs> sometimes the segments on like Raw or SmackDown or even AW where I'm just like I just don't care about. There's no need to talk about it. Yeah, I didn't want to talk to, at length about fucking Jay Cargo and Batwell this week. <laughs> I love Jay Cargo, but I didn't want to talk about it. Exactly. Right. Uh, that'll do us for this week. Let us know what you thought about the new format. Please do go on our Discord, go on our Twitter, Facebook, anything like that. Drop us a yes, comment. Please. We'd love to hear it. Uh, yes, yeah, everyone, take care. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Enjoy your wrestling. Goodbye. Bye. Hello, yes, Danhausen here. Danhausen has been summoned. You must love this podcast house in the Untitled Wrestling Podcast House. Here. <laughs>